Welcome to the Young Central Podcast, your hub for human rights, mental health, and social justice. I'm your host, Serene Banna, and you can join us in our discussions every Wednesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Young Central Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sahira Jewelry. Sahira produces elegant and timeless pieces that are made to last. You can shop the Sahira store at youngcentral.net slash Sahira. So today we are discussing the Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch reports on the crimes against humanity, specifically apartheid and persecution, being committed by the state of Israel. Now, Israel and Palestine have been debated for decades, and the argument of who is right and who is not has sparked much controversy. Personally, I have refrained from discussing this topic because I always feel like it is the wrong time. I always felt like I didn't have enough evidence, there wasn't enough reports, there weren't enough, you know, factual statements that were being released by the media. But given the recent occurrences at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, as well as the now prevalence of reports that are dictating exactly what's going on, I think it's the perfect time to get this conversation started again. So anytime I have thought about discussing Palestine, I have obviously been shot down. Um, I've been bombarded with messages. I've been called a terrorist sympathizer. And more recently, um, yesterday to be exact, (laughs) Instagram took down a couple of my reels discussing this. And I really wasn't discussing Palestine or Israel in the reel. I was more defending myself um, against someone who had claimed that I was a supporter of terrorism for speaking up for the Palestinian cause. So before I get started with the episode, I do want to make one thing very clear. This person is neither the first nor will he be the last to utilize that fallacy when debating Palestine and Israel. And normally I would not engage. Um, I'm, I'm really good at kind of just ignoring those messages. But after over 15 comments and endless messages with the intent to discredit me, I, I drew a line um, because it, it kind of got under my skin <laughs> a little bit. Um, And I responded, but Instagram was really quick to take it down. It was down in under 24 hours without any warning or hesitation, without a context as to why it was removed. So, and I've noticed that they've been doing that a lot to a lot of creators, to a lot of people who speak up for Palestine. So in addition to me being extremely passionate about this topic, I'm now also very enraged (laughs) and Um, I think this is going to be one of the longer episodes that I do. So we're going to be reviewing two different reports that dictate Israel's crimes against humanity. The first is by Human Rights Watch, and the second is by Amnesty International. There is a third report, and it's by the UN Office of the High Commissioner on Human Rights. But I think the first two do a really good job at summarizing what's happening in Palestine and what's happening to Palestinians. So I will link the third one in the show notes, but I won't be discussing it. Um, 
And we'll start with the Human Rights Watch report because they were the first human rights organization to compile such an extensive and detailed report on the situation in Israel. Um, They did so in the report that's over 220 pages long. And on a personal note, having witnessed the brutal treatment and oppression of Palestinians for so long, this report gave me a lot of hope. I remember when I read it the first time, I felt a sense of pride in that finally we were being heard. Um, And it was a really good indication that we are moving towards progress and towards freedom. Um, So I'm going to keep that energy as we move forward. The report was released in April of 2021, so about exactly a year ago. And essentially, it's paved the way for many organizations to come out and speak up for the Palestinian cause. The reason this is so important is because anyone who has ever brought up the wrongs of Israel um, has been labeled as anti-Semitic. We all know that's a fallacy. It's been used to shut down the argument that people just do not want to have. Um, so if that's your response to this episode, please refrain from sharing it. I seldom ever say that. I know I advocate for open discussions and conversations when it comes to topics that are discussed on here. But this is one topic where I've already had enough backlash about discussing it since I was a kid. And so now in my adult life, I just don't want to hear it anymore. And you can hold your opinion. Again, you have your right to your opinion, but please keep an open mind and listen to what is being said. Being pro-Palestinian and pro-Palestinian freedom is not equivalent to being anti-Semitic. And being pro-Palestine is not equivalent to being a sponsor of terrorism. So now that we have all those bases covered, um, I think it's a good time to jump in. I'll I'll start with a summary of kind of what, what the demographics and situation there is. So... There are about 6.8 million Jewish Israelis and 6.8 million Palestinians living in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. Now, the occupied Palestinian territory, it consists of the West Bank, including East Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip. In this report, um, which again, I'll link in the show notes, they specifically make note that there are several widely held assumptions that the occupation is temporary. They also note that there are assumptions that the peace process will bring an end to Israeli abuses, that Palestinians have meaningful control over their lives in the West Bank and Gaza, and that Israel is an egalitarian democracy. They call these assumptions because they are all assumed. They are not fact. Israel has maintained military rule over some portion of the Palestinian population since the occupation began 74 years ago. For only six months in the past 74 years has Israel not had military rule over the Palestinian population. The report also states that for the past 54 years, Israeli authorities have facilitated the transfer of Jewish Israelis to the occupied Palestinian territory 
and they've granted them superior status. That is direct discrimination. Now, the status comes in forms of civil rights. It comes in forms of access to land, freedom to move, and confer residency rights to close relatives. So what exactly does that mean? Basically, Israel controls the borders. It controls the airspace, the lands, the movement of people and goods, and the registry of the entire population. It controls who can have legal status and who is eligible to have an ID, an identification card. The report goes on to say that under international criminal law, there are two crimes against humanity for the systematic discrimination being faced by Palestinians. The first is the crime against humanity of apartheid, and the second is the crime against humanity of persecution. I'm going to define these two before we continue with the discussion, okay? So apartheid is defined by the Apartheid Convention as inhuman acts committed for the purpose of establishing and maintaining domination by one racial group of persons over any other racial group of persons and systematically oppressing them. The Rome Statute by the International Criminal Court holds a very similar meaning for the term. And apartheid consists of three primary elements. The first is an intent to maintain a system of domination by one racial group over the other. The second is systematic oppression by one racial group over the other. And the third is one or more inhumane acts, as defined by the convention, carried out on the widespread or systematic basis pursuant to these policies. And some of the inhumane acts identified in the convention and the Rome Statute are forcible transfer, expropriation of land or property, creation of separate reserves and ghettos, and denial of the right to leave and return to their country and their right to a nationality. The report by Human Rights Watch defines the crime against humanity of persecution as the intent and severe deprivation of fundamental rights contrary to international law by reasons of identity of the group or collectivity. And this identity could be based on racial, national, or ethnic grounds. It can also be an identity based on religion. While apartheid consists of three elements, the crime against humanity persecution consists of only two, and they're linked. So the first is severe abuse of fundamental rights committed on a widespread or systematic basis, And the second is that these abuses occur with discriminatory intent. I know that's a lot of legal jargon and lots of words, but what we need to understand and what I think is fundamental to understanding how rare these two crimes against humanity are is that there have only been very few courts that have heard cases involving the crime of persecution. 
and no court thus far has heard cases involving the crime against humanity of apartheid. And we link the word apartheid to South Africa because historically that's what it was linked to, but more recently it's become a more more freely used term, for lack of a better word. Now, obviously I can't go through the 200-something pages that Human Rights Watch has released for the general public, but within these pages, they clearly define how Israel has an intent to maintain domination over the Palestinian people. With inhumane acts and other abuses of fundamental rights, what the findings of the report are, first, how the Israeli policy has sought to maximize the number of Jewish Israelis, as well as the lands available to them in both Israel and occupied Palestinian territory, All the while, they're restricting residency rights of Palestinians and attempting to minimize the number of Palestinians in the land. In the report, and I this is why I really recommend you reading the report, is there's a really nice visual of the occupied Palestinian territory, and it shows how the Israeli government is attempting to integrate. Jewish Israelis into the entire land, including East Jerusalem and the West Bank. All the while, the 6.8 million Palestinians are being separated. They're being barred from hundreds of small Jewish towns in Israel. And they're concentrated on only 3% of the overall land. So 6.8 million Palestinians are being forced into 3% of the overall land. Human Rights Watch also released a set of recommendations to alleviate the current circumstances Palestinians are facing. The most prominent statement in this report, in my humble opinion, is that the findings of the crimes against humanity should prompt the international community to reevaluate its approach to Israel and Palestine. Because over the years, over the past couple decades, we've all seen the approach. It's been to praise Israel and demean Palestine. The report carries on to say that the U.S., I quote, the U.S., which for decades has largely failed to press the Israeli government to end its systematic oppression of Palestinians, has in some instances in recent years signaled its support for serious abuses such as the buildings of settlements in the occupied West Bank, end quote. Now, this statement is extremely influential because not only does it realize that the U.S. has fallen short in the defense and support of human rights, it's calling out the U.S. for basically supporting these human rights abuses. Um, The report also calls out other European countries for building close ties with Israel, regardless of the human rights abuses being faced by Palestinians. And just to put it into context, crimes against humanity are the most heinous crimes that could be committed. And they've they've seldom ever been brought into play. So 
When an organization such as Human Rights Watch releases a report dictating crimes against humanity, it's expected that nations listen. And this is obviously going to be a little bit longer of an episode than the past ones, but I think that it is important and critical to set the record straight on what is occurring in Palestine. Because it's incredibly frustrating to talk about Palestine and there be insinuations that Palestinians are provoking the issues. Now, of course, there are some instances that we've seen that are linked to terrorism and terrorist organizations, but that's a different conversation that's separate from apartheid. And when we say that Palestine is being oppressed, it is because it is being oppressed. And when we look at any other group of individuals, any other populations, we have never once blamed the oppressed for being oppressed. So why do we do it so boldly to Palestine? The Human Rights Watch article is, it should be enough in the 200 and something pages to showcase exactly what's happening. But in the case it's not, um, I'm going to cover what Amnesty International has reported on this. And the Amnesty International report was released earlier this year, February 1st of 2022. And it's a little bit lengthier, but since we've already defined the terms of apartheid and persecution as crimes against humanity, um, I'm going to mainly reference the evidence that Amnesty International provides in its reports. And again, it's a little lengthier. It's about 280 pages. So I've only picked, um, I've cherry-picked some of the things that they've stated that I think are really critical to understanding what exactly is going on. Amnesty International states that Palestinians are treated as demographic threats. They are oppressed without borders. They are treated as lesser citizens. And they experience dispossession, amongst other things. The report also states something that they refer to as draconian movement restrictions uh, that are enforced upon the Palestinians in the occupied Palestinian territory, but I won't be touching on that as much. Um, If you want to learn more about that, again, I really recommend reading the report. So let's go through these points one by one. Amnesty states that since Israel's establishment in 1948, the Israeli government has pursued a policy which establishes and maintains a Jewish demographic majority. The intent of doing this is to maximize control over the land and resources in order to benefit the Jewish Israelis. In Israel, Palestinians are treated differently based on the consideration that they have racialized non-Jewish Arab status discrimination based on race and also that they are different with particular attributes that separate them from other non-Jewish groups. So Arab citizens of Israel is an inclusive term and it's used to define a number of different Arabic speaking groups. Those groups include Muslim Arabs, Christian Arabs, Druze, and Circassians. 
In May of 1948, the declaration of the establishment of the State of Israel, so way back when, um, that declaration announced a Jewish state and it guaranteed the right to complete equality of social and political rights to all its inhabitants. But these rights have not been guaranteed in basic laws. At the same time, while they were establishing Israel as a Jewish state in the 1948 declaration, um, they appealed to Jewish people around the world to immigrate to Israel. In 1950, Israel granted every Jewish person internationally the right to immigrate to Israel under what they called the law of return. And after they immigrated to Israel, they had the right to automatic Israeli citizenship under the nationality law of 1952. Now, this was a great initiative, um, in part because, especially after the events of World War II and the Holocaust, the nationality law of 1952 was meant to provide shelter to international Jewish communities who faced persecution elsewhere in the world. While this was happening, hundreds of thousands of Palestinian refugees that were displaced during the conflict between 1947 and 1949, they were made barred from returning to their homes in Palestine. There is no protection in place for Palestinians or people of non-Jewish heritage. As referenced by Human Rights Watch, Israel has used military rule as a key tool to establish a system of oppression and domination over Palestinians. And Amnesty also references this military rule. During the first 18 years of the military rule, Israel used the British Mandate Defense Regulations And basically what this did was it granted Israel unrestricted power to control the movement of Palestinian residents. It also gave them power to confiscate Palestinian property. It allowed them to close entire villages as military zones, to demolish Palestinian houses, to try Palestinians before military courts, and it allowed them to force Palestinians to require permits to leave their areas of residence, including when they are seeking medical care or going to their jobs. And I remember the first time I saw a video of this occurring, I was very shocked and confused because It just did not make sense. So the video, and I'll try to see if I can find it somewhere on YouTube just to make sure I link it. Um, It was of an older middle-aged Palestinian woman who was trying to get to the hospital to get medical treatment. I believe it was for chemotherapy um, and she was with her husband, but basically the Israeli soldiers would not let her husband pass with her. They would not give him permission to leave his area of residence to accompany his wife to the hospital. 
and they basically forced her to walk to the hospital alone. Now, I don't know how far the hospital was. Again, I don't have those details, but I remember at, I think I was 15 when I saw this. I was just very confused and shocked that it was occurring. So this is not new. This has been happening for decades and it's continued to happen. Um, and, and really, the Israeli military, they, they've been doing stuff like this for quite some time. We see videos of it online. We've seen people share it. We've seen people post it. But for some reason, the world has remained silent. Now, the six months that I had mentioned earlier where Israel did not use military rule was in 1966. And this was after it successfully prevented internally displaced Palestinians from returning to their homes. And they did this by destroying their villages and subjecting their land to forestation. Today, as I share this information, there are still more than 1,800 Israeli military orders that control and restrict all aspects of the lives of Palestinians. Amnesty International goes on to describe the denial of nationality um, of residents and, and the denial of family life of Palestinians under Israeli rule. And while Palestinian citizens are granted citizenship, Palestinian citizens of Israel are denied a nationality, which differentiates them from Jewish Israelis. Now, Palestinian residents of East Jerusalem are not Israeli citizens. They have a residency status that allows them to live and work in East Jerusalem, but Israeli authorities have in the past and continue to have the right to revoke the status of that residency if Palestinians cannot provide proof that Jerusalem is their center of life. And I don't want to get too much into the history of it because like I said, this is already a little bit longer of an episode, but I want to brush over the really critical aspects of this case. One of the most critical points that this article makes is the dispossession of land and property of Palestinians. In 1948, Jewish individuals and institutions owned only about 6.5% of Mandate Palestine, and Palestinians owned about 90%. Now, 70 years later, the situation has been reversed. And there are three main pieces of legislation in Israeli law that make up the core of the Israeli land regime. And they play a huge process in the dispossession of land and the exclusion of Palestinian citizens from Israeli society. The first is the Absentee Property Law of 1950. The second is the Land Acquisition Law of 1953. And the third is the British Land Ordinance of 1943. I'm not going to get into what each law states, but these are the laws which the dispossession of land and property are based on. And in particular, the first law I mentioned, the Absentee Property Law, it gave the State of Israel control 
over all the property belonging to Palestinians who were expelled from their homes or who fled their homes regardless of whether or not they became refugees. And I don't want anyone to think that settlement into Palestinian property and land are only happening by Jewish Israelis because there are many American Jewish families that have been resettling in Israel and taking the property of Palestinians while Palestinians are still residing there. Essentially, what that means is that as long as you are of the Jewish faith, you have a right to live in Israel. If you do not have family in Israel or property in Israel, the Israeli government will provide property for you by taking it from Palestinians. And I believe it was about a year ago that now this media released a video of a Jewish American man from New York who decided to settle in Israel and showed up to a Palestinian woman's home and tried to kick her out. He claimed that he had a right to that house because he's Israeli and that one way or another, she was going to be kicked out of the house because it's the right of Israelis to do so. So she might as well just go willingly. I'll try to find that video too and link it in the show notes because it is appalling. Um, and, And really, when I say I'm enraged, it's because I start to remember all these videos and the evidence that I've seen. And it's just, it really is appalling. It's disgusting. And There's obviously much more to the Amnesty International report uh, because, like I said, it's over 280 pages. So I can't go over all the points that are being made. But I think one last point that I think is so critical to note is that there have been administrative detention, torture, and other ill treatments of Palestinians by the Israeli government. And while there are certain circumstances wherein administrative detention may be lawful, the Israeli government is not using it in a lawful manner. The Israeli government has been using it in a systematic way to persecute Palestinians rather than as a security measure. And what that means is that they are detaining Palestinians and subjecting Palestinians to torture and other ill treatment in order to maintain control over Israel. That is a direct link to a definition of apartheid. Amnesty International states very clearly that the Israeli prison services and Israeli military forces have tortured and ill-treated Palestinian detainees, including children. The detainees are deprived of sleep. They're threatened. They're sexually harassed and abused. They're subjected to prolonged solitary confinement. They're immobilized in stress positions. And the Israeli courts have actually admitted evidence obtained through torture of Palestinian, and and they have claimed that these actions were necessary. So I'm going to pose a question, and that is, in what possible situation is torturing a child necessary? Israeli forces have also killed and injured thousands of Palestinian civilians in the occupied Palestinian territory since 1967. And I'm talking about innocent civilians. 
Some of the most recent killings have occurred in the past month. Um, there was a journalist who was shot in the head by a rubber bullet. She was unarmed and not dangerous. Uh, this occurred about two weeks ago. About a month ago, a Palestinian man with Down syndrome was detained and beat on the streets in Palestine. Children continued to be beat and harassed on the street. And it, it, it is evident, you know, there's evidence that there are human rights violations occurring in the state of Israel against Palestinians. There is denial of basic rights and freedoms. There is apartheid. And there is persecution. And what really enrages me, and, and most mostly it's, this is personally, is that any time I've spoken up for the Palestinian cause, I've been called anti I've been called anti-Semitic. I've been told that I'm a supporter of Hamas. But the one thing that I know to be true is that whether I'm referred to as anti-Semitic or a supporter of terrorism, those fallacies, those argumentative fallacies, are a way to deter from the actual conversation. There is no excuse for crimes against humanity. And though many have tried to garner sympathy for Israel's treatment of Palestinians as necessary, I cannot speak for everyone, but I speak for myself when I say I will never have sympathy for a human rights violator. Israel and Palestine have a long, long history of wars and conflicts. But Israel is the oppressor, it is not the oppressed. No human deserves to live like a second-class citizen solely because of their ethnicity or because of their nationality or because of their religion. And I will make no exception in the case of Israel. In 1948, the state of Israel was created in order to create a safe haven for persecuted Jewish people internationally. But that is not an excuse to turn the tables and persecute innocent Palestinians for decades. Prior to these reports coming out, it was very difficult to have conversations like this. And even now, it's very difficult to even attempt to see what the response to this episode will be. But... You know, I think it's really important to still have the conversations. And I think that that's, that's still what angers me the most. It, it's that Arabs and Arab Americans and, and the international community who have seen firsthand how Palestinians have been treated and have advocated for Palestinians over the years and, and have advocated for the circumstances that Palestinian refugees are facing. We've all been silenced for so long under the guise that we are supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups that aim to threaten and harm the international community. But the importance and the significance of having reports such as these released is that we now have proof that we have not been lying. We were not imagining things. We were not exaggerating the situation. We now know, and we have known, that this is happening. And it proves that the Palestinian people deserve better. And Palestinians everywhere deserve justice.
regardless of your politics, regardless of your views of the world. You cannot justify apartheid. And I know many people are going to come at me like, you cannot tell people what to think and what not to think. And and I've, I've heard that before, you know, where I should just give facts and statements and not suggest what people should take from it. But if you claim to care for human rights and the human race, and if you claim to care for social justice, you cannot make a single excuse for Israel because that is the most hypocritical thing you could do in a situation like this. It's going to take education and it will take plenty of work, but Palestine will be free. Palestine will be free of this apartheid regime, whether it is in five years or in 10 years or 20 years, Palestine will be free because that is the work that we do as students of human rights and advocates of human rights and activists. I will see you all next week. And please remember that this earth is made for everyone and we all have a right to exist on it with the rights and freedoms and liberties that are provided for us under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Be sure to follow Young Central on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook at Young Central Network. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.